Well, good morning. How sweet is that violin? That's pretty awesome. Thank you, uh, praise team, for leading us in that worship this morning. Uh, last time I was with you, two weeks ago, we started our new series entitled Passion in Practice. About a year ago, right into last summer, we uh, did a sermon series working through each of our um, pieces to our mission and vision statement, that we want to passionately pursue Christ. And so as we reflected on that, this spring we decided, you know, what would be great? It would be great to have a series where we can talk about how we take those truths from our mission and vision statement, and really build those into our everyday lives. And so we began creating a list of areas in which it would be good for us to evaluate our own lives in and how we are truly passionately pursuing Christ. And the one we're going to look at today is parenting. Uh, they asked the guy with a thousand kids to talk about parenting. Uh, it's only five. Sometimes it feels like a thousand, but it's only five. Um, and uh, they didn't ask me because I'm a perfect dad, newsflash, I'm not, um, but I'm excited about this opportunity to really analyze and think about how we parent and then provide some practical applications for that. And we're going to have a panel in just a few minutes come up, but we're going to ask some questions and just talk about, you know, what are some ways in our daily lives that we can uh, passionately pursue Christ in parenting our children because it's just so, so important. And so I hope you're excited about this day. I'm excited about this day. We're going to do three steps to this process. First, I'm going to open up God's Word with you and share with you two principles about parenting, um, ones that I am still trying to figure out myself, but ones that I believe are so important for all of us as parents, as grandparents, as we seek to raise children to passionately pursue Christ. So we're going to look at two principles from the Word of God, and then we're going to have our panel come up. And we're going to ask them some questions uh, about uh, what they've learned and how we can apply and, and analyze and figure out how we can uh, passionately pursue Christ, put our passion in practice on a daily basis in parenting. And then when that's finished, I'm going to issue you three challenges that the Lord has laid on my heart uh, for this week that we can uh, truly uh, put this into practice. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. That's where we'll begin this morning, 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to begin in a familiar passage that I'm sure most of us know or even have memorized, um, but I want to see how this relates to us as parents uh, this morning. The first principle I want us to think about as we put our passion in practice in terms of parenting is that the Word of God is foundational. The Word of God is foundational. You and I cannot be successful parents, successful grandparents, apart from the Word of God. It is the most important thing. Now, we're going to be in 2 Timothy. We're going to look at chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, verses that really speak to how beautiful the Scriptures are, that they are, in fact, spoken by the Holy Spirit and recorded by the individuals that recorded them. But we're also going to look at how the scriptures are profitable for us. And this is a very, very important thing, especially in terms of parenting. So let's read these verses together. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, and notice these four things, is useful for teaching 
rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There are four areas in which the word of God is essential to us, and these four areas also apply so beautifully to parenting. Did you see those four areas? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Now, sometimes it feels like, at my house anyway, it's a lot more rebuking and correcting than the other ones. Um, But notice these four areas. Let's examine them. So the first is teaching, doctrine. This is showing what is right. As a parent, it ought to be your desire, it's my desire that I want to show my kids, I want to teach them what is right. And the word of God is essential to that. Secondly, rebuking, that is showing what is wrong. There are two aspects to it, right? I need to show my children what is right. I also need to show my children what is wrong, and the word of God provides that. Too much of one over the other and it does not lead to a very good outcome, right? If I spend all of my time showing my kids what is right and not showing them what is wrong, there's a tendency that uh, they're a little spoiled, you might say. But the opposite is also true. If I just constantly show them what is wrong, what is wrong, what is wrong, and then I rob them of a little passion and grace and love. Then you show them what is right, show them what is wrong, Thirdly, correcting, that is showing how to make the wrong right. And this is a very important step because I'm not a perfect parent and I don't have perfect children. No amens there? (laughs) I thought I was going to get a couple there. Amen? I don't have perfect children, right? They're going to mess up. And how I handle that is... Perhaps the most critical aspect to parenting a child is how you handle when they do what is wrong, how do you refocus, how do you discipline in such a way uh, that they learn how to make that wrong right, how to correct that behavior. And obviously that is only done through the word of God. One of my challenges uh, as we, when we wrap up our time is going to be focused on this principle. And then the fourth one, training in righteousness. So the word of God shows us what is right. It shows us what is wrong. It shows us how to make the wrong right. And then it shows us also how to continue in the right. And that's where training comes in. It's an athletic term where I work out my faith in Jesus. My kids need to work out how to continue doing the right thing. And that's difficult. It's difficult for me. It's going to be difficult for them. But notice the results, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I would encourage you, this is something to pray for your kids for daily. I want my kids to be thoroughly equipped for what God has for them. And so as a parent, the first principle I want us to understand and reflect upon today is that the word of God is foundational. You cannot be a successful parent apart from the word of God. The word of God is central to my life. It's central to your life. It's central to our children's lives. 
and it has so much to teach us. It has so much to teach them. And so I would challenge you that as a, as a parent, that your focus as you parent your child, that my focus would be on the Word of God so that our children can grow up to be the children that we hope and pray that they are. Second principle I want to share with you, turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. To Deuteronomy chapter 6. The first principle is that the Word of God is foundational. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we're going to start reading in verse 4 once we get there. The second principle is that I must model it. I must model it. If I am not in a right standing with Jesus, if I am not growing in my faith, my kids will not be either. I must model it. So the word of God is foundational. Second principle, I must model it. We're going to start reading verse 4. Uh, this is uh, a very important passage to uh, a Jewish person. It's called the Shema. Shema is the Hebrew word for to hear. And so you see why it's called the Shema as we uh, read it. We're going to read verses 4 through 9 this morning. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Principle number two, I must model it. Notice some things that... Uh, Moses mentions here some key aspects to this modeling it. Uh, verse 5 says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. The first way that I model for my kids what it means to passionately pursue Christ is that I am fully committed in my belief in Jesus and in his word. I must believe it. All of our relationships with Jesus start with that belief. I worry at times, I see it in my own life, and maybe some of you have this, that I lose that passion, that recognition, that awareness of what Christ truly did for me. I've talked uh, to you all before I have the opportunity to preach the importance of preaching the gospel to yourself every day. Do you believe that when you are an enemy of God, when you are in open and total rebellion to him, that he sent his son to die on the cross for your sins in your place and that he rose again? That's life. I need to preach the gospel to myself. I need to believe it. I need to preach the gospel to my kids. Remind them of it that everything they do in a given day should focus on what they believe. 
one of my goals as the Bible teacher here at school is, I mean, perhaps my primary goal is that my students know what they believe and why they believe it. It's so important to be passionate about your convictions, passionate and confident about what the Word of God says. If you and I are going to model for our kids what it means to passionately pursue Christ, we must be convinced about what we believe and why we believe it. It starts with a belief. Secondly, that belief, though, belief, uh, James tells us that faith without works is dead. It is not merely a belief. It is a belief that I am so convinced of that it spurs me on to action. These commandments that I give to you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I can tell my kids all I want. Oh, yeah, believe in Jesus. He died for you. But if I'm not actually living it out, does it really have an impact on them? And so I have to take a lead as a father, as a parent that says, I believe this, and this is going to affect how we live. I've shared a little bit about my family growing up. Let me give you an example of something like this. Uh, My family growing up, we were Christians, but we weren't that into it. If I can speak uh, truthfully and bluntly to you. And so I remember as a kid on a Sunday morning not really knowing if we were going to go to church or not. And so I would intentionally uh, not set my alarm or anything. I would wake up and I'd be like, oh, we're supposed to get up as a family in 15 minutes for church. But I would literally lie there and think, hmm, it doesn't sound like anybody's up. I'm just going to wait this out. And yeah, good. I'm the Bible teacher, right? This is great. Um, we're just going to wait this out. And so I'd lie there, and some minutes would go by, and I'd think, okay, we're getting closer, we're getting closer. Because there was that threshold, right? If we crossed that time, there was no way we were going to get out the door and to church on time. And so I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And, you know, once you got past, like, 15 minutes past the time you're supposed to get up, then I would literally be in bed. I'd be like, Yes! No church today, all right. Needless to say, I do not want my children to have that mentality. Church is something we're going to be a part of. It is not a question. We go to church. It's what we do. That's just one example. There are countless others where, as a Christian parent desiring to passionately pursue Christ and for my kids to do the same, that we are going to be committed to. They do not have to sit and wonder, I wonder if we're going to go to church today. No, it's a part of who we are. It's a part of what we do as a family. And there are so many other examples of that in our lives where, you know, uh, sitting around the dinner table and talking about Jesus, that's just what we do. Studying God's word together, reading it, that's just what we do. It's who we are. And I need to be willing to make any sacrifice necessary, even when I'm tired and I don't feel like it, to say, you know what, this is what we do. 
because I'm so convinced about what the Bible says, because I'm so convinced about the gospel and its impact in my everyday life, we are going to live a certain way as a family. And it is my job to model that. Two principles. The word of God is foundational. It shows us what is right. It shows us what is wrong. It shows us how to make the wrong right and how to continue in the right. Second principle I want to leave you with today is that I must model it in what I believe and in what I do. And that ultimately is what is going to bring success as a Christian parent in raising your children to passionately pursue Christ. We're going to go into a little bit of a transition now uh, where we're going to invite our panel to come up because this is passion in practice. And what we want to do is really ask some questions that we've all as parents wrestled with and decide, you know what, how, how do we deal with some of these issues? How do we handle them in a very uh, practical and everyday life? So uh, we have with us this morning uh, the Stewarts. Stirring, stirring applause. Uh, the pruners. And my wife. Yes. Uh, I was joking last night, um, but it's actually true, that uh, you all are interested in what my wife has to say far more than me, and it should be that way. That is a good thing. Um, but basically, what we have done is, for each of these couples, we've taken some questions. I encourage you to continue to submit questions uh, for the other panels that are coming up. Yes, if we get the, Thank you, PJ. Um, we have uh, some questions. I want to thank you for that. Here's the format, basically. Each couple has two questions that specifically applies to them, and then we kind of have a grab bag at the end of just some um, general questions that uh, they'll be able to chime in and answer. Okay, so that's basically the format. So we're going to start with the Stewarts. Way to go. Your first question. Uh, and maybe you can elaborate a little bit on why you're getting asked this question, too. Um, but uh, for Grant and Amy, describe your thought process in choosing a, the form of your child's education. Christian, public, <laughs> homeschool. How do you go about that process? I'll start. Um, you know, as Amy and I had kids, we kind of talked about how we wanted to raise them and what we wanted to do. And uh, our kids are homeschooled. We, we made the decision to keep our kids home with us when, uh, when they got to school age so that we could teach them at home. It helped that Amy was a teacher by trade before uh, we had kids. So it, it seemed natural to move into that. One of the things that we thought was extremely important to us was we wanted to keep our family together as much as possible. Uh, we, wanted, we wanted to be with them. We wanted them to be with us. We didn't like the idea of sending them off to a place where they'd be away from us more than they would be with us. Um, the other thing that we wanted to do was kind of keep them together so that they could build friendships with one another, so that they could know who each of them was uh, in order to to have a relationship once they get to the point where they're no longer in school. Uh, 
you send your kids off at such an early age, we were concerned that they just might not get to, to know and love one another as much as we wanted them to. Uh, on top of it, with society the way that it was, with education sometimes being the way that it is, we wanted to make sure that we had an opportunity to raise our kids according to our values. We wanted to make sure that we instilled in their lives the fact that we love Jesus Christ, that he was somebody that was really important to us and that, that that's all that mattered. Um, so often in, in public institutions and in colleges, those beliefs are challenged and we wanted our kids to be old enough to understand why they believed what they believed, as Matt alluded to earlier. Um, it, it was just really important to us that if they heard something that we didn't believe was true or that was counter to what we actually believed, we wanted them to be able to process it, we wanted them to be able to defend it, and we wanted them to be able to make the godly decision and not necessarily be swayed just because somebody that was a person of importance, like a teacher or a professor, said, well, this is the way that it is. We wanted them to understand that, that the Bible and what it says is God's word, that it's true, and that's what we believe as a family. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much. Uh, Corey and Melissa, your first question. Uh, describe how having your first child... Oh, I had trouble reading my own question. I'm going to try this again. I'm going to try this again. <laughs> describe how having your first child was what you expected or, in other ways, not what you expected, and what advice would you give to couples who are about to become first-time parents? Yeah, so obviously we're up here because we're newbies, uh, <laughs> according to this question. Uh, so uh, we felt like we had decent experience with babies and kids in general. Um, we've been around family, specifically our niece, our niece and nephew, uh, for the past few years here and um, just kind of felt confident going into it. Uh, but I would just, my short point is that young, everybody's different um, and every kid is different. So um, it kind of, it's hard to like get up here and say, you know, you're gonna be ready for it. Um, during the first like few weeks after having our baby, um, it was really hard and it was there was a whole lot of new emotions and um, new things to learn and new worries to have and that was really difficult for us. Mm. Um, and so that was something I wasn't expecting. Um, but through it all, we just try to remind ourselves that it's just a phase and we're you know it's gonna get better and um, and and, the, and it has. So <laughs> it's good. Good, thank you. Sure, that's cool. Uh, uh, Julie, <laughs> uh, describe the challenges of raising children who are very different from each other. I told Matt that I wasn't quite sure how to answer his question, because um, I wasn't sure where he was going with it, and he didn't have any help. Um, <laughs> I guess the biggest that I see, I'm really glad that we have boys and girls. Um, growing up, I never wanted to have a girl. I just wanted all boys. And I'm really thankful for both Emma and Amber. Um, it's really, it's neat that even at such a young age, you can see a difference. And we have different, somewhat different rules um, as far as like how I respond to them and how I respond to um, the boys. Just one example, I guess, is with Emma. Um, Amber's not quite old enough yet, but 
girls need to cry sometimes. That's very helpful. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> so, because he, he didn't have a sister. Well, not that he was around a whole lot. Um, so we have a role that if she just needs to cry, she can just go up to her room and cry in her bed. And when it's over, she can come down and rejoin. And it has helped. Like, we don't necessarily have to deal with the crying in the middle of the living room or the kitchen and affecting everyone else. Um, and yet she can have her time. Um, so that was just one way um, with, I mean, there's always different things with how they work. And one thing that I found out is your firstborn girl, whether she's a firstborn or not, is going to act like a mother um, to the other ones. I just thought I was a firstborn girl. I just thought I was a firstborn. But Daniel, it's very different to see his leadership as a firstborn versus Emma being the firstborn girl and just the mothering that comes out and how she will take charge of situations far sooner than Daniel. So working on Daniel as a boy to step up and to be that leader um, and working at Emma to not be quite so bossy. Just the, <laughs> the differences with them and how do you train each one um, has been a challenge because their personalities are all different and their, um, the role that they have in the family is also different. The other thing that has been challenging recently is with um, Daniel, he's getting older enough to do things that I don't want Judah and Benjamin doing yet and how to find that time where he can grow up and yet I'm not having Judah and Ben tag along with him. Um, still working on that or kind of just starting that phase, um, but that is kind of a new challenge with the differences and how to raise different ages, different um, genders and everything else. That's exactly what I meant, dear. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, second question for Grant and Amy. How will you or have you handled dating for your children? <laughs> I'll go first. Um, <laughs> my, wife, my wife is speaking to me telepathically, so I'm... Uh, so in 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says to the, the unmarried Corinthians, it's good to remain single. So gentlemen, you need not apply for my daughter's hand. <laughs> Amen. Um, one, of, one of the results of having homeschooled our kids is that they aren't, they aren't in a constant state of peer pressure. Uh, they, they don't get involved in a lot of the the politics that happen in public education or any educational institution for that matter. Um, we really haven't had to deal with the whole dating thing because our kids aren't, aren't around people all the time that are pressuring them or in situations where uh, they're, they have lots of friends of the opposite sex, but they, they just don't have any romantic bent yet. So what we've been trying to do um, specifically I'll speak about the boys. You know, I'm, I'm trying to model what I think a godly father, what a godly husband needs to be. We open the doors for ladies. We treat them in a certain way. We do certain things uh, just so that it prepares them for a time when they, when they do find a romantic interest. And I think the other thing that's important, speaking from my own personal experience dating in high school, I, I don't know that I was emotionally ready for 
that relationship. I just don't. There was a lot that came with it that, that provides baggage later in life when you actually do find the right person. And I think that the longer that you can put it off, the, the better a position that you will be in to be ready for it, to make wise decisions, to find the man or the woman that God has for you rather than uh, getting, getting all caught up in emotion at a very early age. Um, and I think a big thing too, um, Hunter is now in school, so we homeschool now too, but our oldest went to high school this year and I said, does Hunter know girls exist? I mean, that's always like... <laughs> Not really. Thing. But he's always this funny, you know. Um, but again, with the modeling with Grant, and I always talk with Sydney, who is 13, so she's two years behind Hunter. Um, just the relationship that she has with her daddy, I think is so important. And preparing that way, like, you know, your daddy prays with you every night. Your daddy, look how your daddy treats me. You want to find, you know, when it's that time... You want to find someone who, first of all, loves the Lord, first and foremost, but then someone who treats you the way your daddy treats you, the way your daddy treats your mommy. That's the kind of stuff that we talk to them about. Um, Great. Thank you very much. The, uh, the next two questions, the next one for Corey and Melissa and then for Julia, are related to each other, and so it's interesting to see uh, both... Um, situations and how that decision-making process occurs. Uh, Corey and Melissa, describe your decision-making process in choosing for Melissa to go back to work. Um, so our decision for me to go back to work, I just go back part-time, just two days a week. Um, but it's definitely based more on a, our financial situation, and um, it's hard to be away from her, but at the same time, I really feel like I love my job, and I really feel like it's very purposeful work, and um, I feel like I can make an impact there. So while it's hard to be away from her, um, you know, I really feel that I'm called to be there, too. Um, and so I think that makes it easier, having a job that you love. And um. All right. Uh, conversely, uh, Julie, describe your decision-making process in choosing for you, Julie, to stay at home with the kids. Well, the short answer is you told me to. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> um, no, but I, I agreed. I wanted to um, be able to raise my kids, especially the young years. I think, um, as the stewards already said, like when those years are so, like that's when they, they learn a ton. Not only do they learn to talk and to walk, um, but they, can learn to understand the Bible, you can work on memorizing, like all the behaviors. I want my kids to be taught that from um, both myself and from Matt instead of some person that I sort of kind of know um, at a daycare. Um, we never had family in the area, so I wasn't offered that ability to have like my parents um, or someone else that I really trusted and I knew that they were going to teach my kid even when I wasn't around them. We didn't really have that opportunity. Um, so it has come with some challenges, like Matt wasn't able to finish seminary um, because he just couldn't go to seminary and work and be a dad and a husband. It was um, just, it was too much. And so we had to cut that short um, 
and some other things, but it's been really neat to see God provide. And even though we don't have that extra financial, just there are so many stories of things that I thought, oh, it'd be neat to get this, and boom, Matt comes home with it. Or like, not that we paid for, like given to us by some random person that um, just gave us something that I had been thinking. You know, and just other areas that God has provided. And right now, like, there is no way that I could work and make enough money to pay for my kids in daycare. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's impossible. Um, so, but it's, it's been truly neat just to see God provide and to kind of back, like, all right, you made this decision so that you could train your kids and I will provide for you. Um, it's been kind of cool. Great, thank you. All right, now we're moving into our time. We have five questions left that are going to be uh, for all of our panel to answer how you see fit. Not everybody has to answer each one, and we certainly don't have to go in any kind of order, just as you feel uh, led to go ahead and share. Uh, first question, how do you keep your marriage healthy while being busy with children? I could go for this one first. Um, so I actually uh, wanted to mention something that I forgot to mention earlier about just, you know, uh, expectations and advice for maybe new parents is, and it kind of goes along with this because I kind of view parenting similar to marriage in that um, you go into it, you can feel very prepared and understand the biblical significance of marriage and also understand the biblical significance as you spoke to this morning of being a parent. And yet at the same time, um, there's gonna be this period of adjustment that takes place. So anybody who's been married uh, in the first year, you know there's this period of adjustment. <laughs> and uh, you know, so your priorities change and the way you spend your time is different, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, and then my actual answer for this was um, maybe a little bit more specific to us. Um, you know, when I get home in the evening, and especially during basketball season, if we had a game or something later in the night, and then when Melissa, now when she's been working twice a week, when she gets home, it's usually later. Um, generally, we're both pretty tired, we're exhausted, and then we partner that with the fact that Sylvia decides that, you know, from like 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. is when she's going to be the fussiest um, of all of her time, and it's just it's pretty hard to challenge. So as soon as maybe we get her to, to sleep or to calm down, um, it's really easy for the two of us to just kind of like sit down, watch TV, maybe get on our phones, social media, and just kind of check out. And I think that we found it to be, we actually had to have a conversation about having conversations more and, and <laughs> talking and, and actually listening to each other, you know, whether it just be me asking her how her day went and, went and actually listening or you know, telling her the struggles that I had, you know, with students throughout the day or something <laughs> like that. Just, you know, just communicating. So um, I think that's the biggest thing that, um, you know, that I, I would say is hard to do, but important to keep our marriage healthy. Uh, did you want to read that little part? <laughs> yeah, and I was also just going to add, just trying to remember that parenting is a team job, um, you know, helping each other out and, um, you know, trying to each, you know, pull each, pull the weight and, you um, and I think just also just showing appreciation for your spouse and what they're doing. You know, if your husband's working full time, you know, just letting them know that, um, you know, you appreciate what they're doing and raising money for your family. Um, and, you know, just I just think expressing that appreciation and um, thankfulness. Yeah, and I've never I, I never truly understood how hard it was to be a mom until going through this experience. So like expressing that as a husband is a lot easier now. And. 
you know, all the husbands are like, oh, yeah, you know. But it's important to do it, <laughs> no, you know. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things from the outside looking in. You don't know how hard it is until you see your wife going through it. And I think to add to that, um, you have to be intentional. I, we've been married 18. <laughs> good, yes, good job. <laughs> 18 years. And I can say that over the course of that 18 years that a good marriage doesn't just happen. You, you have to be intentional. I think we've had ups and we've had downs. And I think as I mature as, as a man and as a husband and as a father, I think I'm, I'm, learning, I'm learning to understand her better um, and, and try and provide what she needs in order to, to make the marriage a happy one. It, it, it's not something that you can just kind of forget about and it'll be great. You have to actually work at it. Next question is related to the first one. How do you keep yourself individually spiritually fed with the busyness of having children? This one is a challenge. <laughs> um, when I was a teen, I would hear all my, like my mom and other people say, oh, you know, now, use your time now to study and memorize because when you get older, it doesn't happen very much. And I just think, oh, yeah, like that's just an excuse. Um, and now I tell the kids in the youth group, use your time wisely now because when you get older, it doesn't happen nearly as much. And um, it has been, uh, there's been periods of time where it just, to be honest, hasn't happened and it still doesn't happen nearly as much as I want to and I have been told we'll get up earlier like I just can't like <laughs> if I get up earlier or like you know I'd stay up later to spend time with Matt if I get up earlier to spend time with God I just I can't train my kids right like I am exhausted it does it just falls apart it's a mess um, so something that I found that recently has it's kind of my closet is my treadmill. Um, when I'm on that, like, okay, it takes Judah going poop to me having to wipe his butt to get me off of it. Like, I will yell at my kids, okay, just play, do something where I can see you, do be nice, but their fights and argues I'm not so quick to take care of as if, you know, if I was sitting at my table reading the Bible. But on the treadmill, I can put post little sticky notes of people to pray for. I can put verses. I can put things on that I can meditate while I'm on there. And um, that has been a real help. That's kind of some of my time. Um, and it's now turning to, like, some of God's time. And just for me, right in this season, that has worked for me. I'm a talker, and I'm compelled to answer every question. <laughs> um, you know, I, I, uh, I personally, when I wake up in the morning, I, I sit down and I, I grab my coffee and I try to read a couple of chapters of God's Word every day. But it's not easy, and kind of like Julie was saying, it, sometimes it's really difficult. And what really helped me to begin with was a couple of men in this church that got together, and they specifically said, let's read through the Bible in a year. And there was a little bit of accountability in that because we would say, hey, I finished, I did it, I did it, I did it. Kind of that, that team effort. I mean, that's what church is, right? It's a family. That's what we're here for. And if you can't do it on your own, find somebody that's willing to do it with you. And then make sure that, that you tell them, hey, did you do it? And, and when they 
ask, did you do it, just be ready to say, yeah, I did today. I mean, it's start small. Start small and it'll grow. All right, let's move on to the next question. Yes, thank you. Uh, how have you or will you handle your uh, child's initial salvation decision? Um, just a little context, if I might just share my heart a little bit. Um, Julie and I have purpose that it's not something that we necessarily want to force on our kids. Does that make sense? You need to make a decision. You need to make a decision. Um, you know, we, we want to allow them the opportunity to work through that. How have you or will you handle those um, experiences, those moments? I think our answer, or my answer, is fairly quick, so I'll just go first, because it's pretty much, um, well, the most important thing I can give to her is knowledge of my Savior. That's what I believe. Um, and I don't, after hearing this question, I, I've started thinking about it more now, but I can't say exactly how um, we're going to react or what we're going to do. I think we have probably some more time to think and pray about that. But uh, I just, I guess I wrote down that I, I want to be talking with her about Jesus hopefully every day so that whenever that comes up, whether it's with somebody, someone else or whether it is with us, that it's just a normal conversation to have. And so she knows what we believe already, you know. Um, so that's the goal. Uh, we're, we're blessed in that all three of our kids have professed a love for their Savior Christ. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things where I, I feel like I want to cry right now. Uh, it's, it's one of those things where, like Matt said, it's, it, we never attempted to force it upon them. It, it came about naturally. A couple of them asked us, hey, you know, I want to do this. And we might have asked one, hey, do you want to do this? And um, the getting there is is great but then after that it's just again like a marriage it's got to be intentional you got to have your kids in church you gotta you gotta get them around christians you have to get them in the word you need to build that faith and you need to talk with them all the time about it because if you don't the world's going to come crashing in all right thank you we have two more questions uh next question how have you or will you do family devotions personal quiet time uh, those types of things Matt has been really good with this. Um, he started doing it at dinner time um, for the most part, except for when he's in a sport. Um, he's home for dinner, and that's a family time. And so he has gone through um, the fruits of the spirit. He's gone through the armor of God, just taking little things that maybe they can sort of start to understand. Um, and like the fruits of the spirit, okay, how can we be kind to each other? How can we show love? And but also talking, okay, well, this is something, you know, taking them a little bit deeper, even though they're so young, um, that this is the Holy Spirit. And these are fruits from the Spirit, and we need to use His um, grace and His help to do it. Um, and then we there's also actually the same Bible that uh, the church uses for their. Um, different nurseries and stuff, we have it. And so when he's not home, I'll take that and we'll read like um, one of the stories or a couple stories. And um, it's a time that our kids really enjoy. And if I ever forget, they remind me. Um, so it's, it's really neat to see their desire and their, um, you know, to, to know more. It's, it's neat. And I think um, just props to Matt, like he's the one who started it and decided that this is when we're going to do it. And he just picked a time, 
time that worked for us. And I think for us, we were blessed with the unique situation of homeschooling for so many years. It was part of our curriculum. It was, I had the kids and I every day had Bible curriculum and we would sit and it was neat to be able to discuss things. Well, what does that really mean? And what does that look like? Um, and that's a special time that you can have with your younger ones at home too. Um, it doesn't have to be homeschoolers. Um, the other thing I would say would be Grant's intentions with the kids. He prays with each kid every night on their own. Um, and when it's neat to see, because even when we're away from home, like he'll, or if he's away from home, he will still call, because like, oh, where's daddy? Daddy's not here to pray with us tonight. And it's just something he's been very intentional with. And I think that's made a big impact in their lives. Great, thank you. All right, last question. And any or all of you are free to answer. What's the biggest area that you feel personally you need to work on as a parent or improve in? We, we just had a, another kind of quick one, and as we were talking about this, praying for Sylvia, um, we don't think we do it enough, and specifically praying for her future, and not just uh, the, the present struggles that we're going through with her. Uh, it's, it's easier to pray for that, but you know, thinking about her you know, in the future, whether it be spiritual or other things that will come up, you know, like when she's 33 and we allow her to marry somebody or something. <laughs> Mine um, would be discipline right now, and just, I have a tendency to talk and talk and talk until I break and snap, and then I yell and I get mad, and it is bad. Um, and so finding that ability to uh, spank or punish, time out, or whatever works for the kid the, um, after the first or like the second time, okay, maybe, Grace, I told you once, okay, second time, no, I told you. Um, doing that and reminding myself that, you know, this is good and it's helpful and I'm not just being mean um, has been a challenge. But when I don't, then it, I'm being mean. Um, and so that's not right. And so finding that, and there are some days that are better and then there are some days that are just really bad and so that's the biggest I think one of the struggles for me that I've noticed and it depends often on how my attitude is and how much sleep I got and the circumstances and so working on me and making sure I go to bed in time or get enough sleep or that our schedule like with the kids that they get their naps those all have helped in this discipline thing but I have noticed that um that is one area that I need lots of help. For me, it's a struggle with uh, impatience and at times, um, well, it comes out in the car. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, as my kids, as my kids are getting older, you know, when they're little, they do what you do because they're monkeying. When they get older, they look at you and they start to process the things that you're doing, the things that you're saying, the way that you're living your life, and they, they're able to see whether you're being genuine or whether you're not. And I guess intentionality is a word that I've used several, now, several times now, but 
you know, I, I have to remember that my kids are always watching and that they're of an age now where they can, they can tell when daddy is, is doing what's right or when daddy's doing what's wrong. And if, if I'm continually doing things that aren't quite what they should be, my kids are gonna think that that's fine. They're gonna say, oh, well, if my dad does it, I can do it. And that's the thing that I need to be cognizant of, that I need to focus on, that I need to make sure that I am living my life the way that God wants me to live it and the way that the Bible says that I should. So that's what I personally need to work on. Um, I think for myself, it's by the time I get to the third child, it's like I'm worn down. And the kids will say, you know, you don't parent him the way we were parented or... I think we always talk, we never spanked him as much as we spanked the other two. So it's just, for me, it's just like standing firm, even with the youngest, and giving him what we poured into the other two. Like, not because we're tired, because we've done it before. Just, that's what I'd say if you have lots of young ones, just follow through to the end with all of them. So sometimes I feel like, oh, that third child, and maybe it's third child syndrome. People have told me that before, but I don't know. That's what I struggle with. Excellent. Let's, let's uh, show our appreciation for our panel today as they make their way back to their seats. Go ahead, guys. Thank you very much. As we wrap up our time together, I hope you appreciated that, seeing uh, other parents in their hearts and just the, uh, the struggle that they have and, and the successes and the failures they've had. And I hope that that's been an encouragement to you this morning. I want to close our time together. Uh, quickly with three challenges for this week that I hope that you will uh, take to heart as parents, as grandparents, uh, that uh, you can truly apply how we can put our passion into practice, because that's ultimately what our goal is uh, for this series, is to, in a very practical way, live out what we believe. And so the first, I would encourage you this week to institute or reinstitute or be encouraged to uh, set aside time with your kids to study God's word together, to read with them, to have devotions, to pray with them, whatever that might look like for you. Purpose uh, this week to, to do that or to continue in that if you're already doing it. That, uh, that is just such an important uh, habit and aspect of raising kids is being able to open up God's word with them and, and just uh, really enjoy that time. So that's my first challenge. My second challenge, something... Um, that I really need a lot of work on, if I'm being honest, is to encourage your kids more. Uh, I'll give you an example. On Friday, the kids get their work from school all home, and you know Julie's looking at Daniel's graded papers, and uh, she says, oh, on his math, he got a 42 out of 43. And the first words out of my mouth, what did he miss? Maybe that's just me and not you guys, but that's how my brain operates. You know, I think, you know, a big struggle for me is that I want my kids to be successful, not just in school or, or other areas, but, you know, in their walk with Jesus, I want them to be successful, and I find myself so often being too harsh with them in their failures. And, you know, sometimes it feels like the only time I talk to them at night is, you know, stop doing this, be quiet, go to bed, instead of, how can I encourage them? How can I come alongside and say, you know, uh, Daniel, you did a great job with this, or Emma, I saw this, or, you know, whatever that might be. So I would, my second challenge for you this week and for myself especially is to encourage our kids more. And then my third challenge 
uh, is to discipline, not punish. Uh, discipline, not punish. I've found it very important. It's very easy when someone's bad to say, go to your room, or you're losing this, or whatever. And it's just, you know, that's it. That's my parenting. And that's not a good thing. Uh, discipline is sitting down with my son and saying, okay, Daniel, what did you do wrong? And he tells me. I say, okay, what should you have done? What are some other options you have here? Uh, you're going to be punished, but why is Daddy punishing you? He's punishing you because I want you to learn. I want you to grow. I want you to change. I want you to do better the next time. I think it's so important for us as parents to, to keep that in mind, to say there's a reason why, right? I'm not just some mean guy. I need to explain to them what it is they did wrong and say, okay, how can we make that right? And that goes back to the foundation of being the Word of God and, and 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 and how that applies. I need to sit down and explain to my son, my daughter, uh, this is what you did wrong, this is how we can make it right, and really find real solutions and let them know that I love them. And so my third challenge this week is to discipline, not punish. I hope you've enjoyed this morning. I'm going to close with a word of prayer. Uh, I think it's so important for us as we go about this series to really make changes as we go throughout the week. So I would encourage you to really emphasize and really practice putting our passionate pursuit of Jesus into real life uh, in this area of parenting. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for our panel and just their uh, candidness, their openness about their struggles and how uh, difficult parenting is, but how uh, important of a calling it is. Father, it's, it's in many ways the most important calling we have as followers of you is to train our children and the way they should go. And Father, I pray that you would help all of us as parents, as grandparents, uh, to come alongside as, as potential future parents to ponder these things and really focus on uh, uh, ways that we can put uh, our passionate pursuit of you into practice each and every day. Father, I pray that you'd encourage our hearts through what's been done today and, and said. And Father, I pray that you'd help us to uh, rest on the foundation of the Word of God and to model what we believe, and how we live to our kids. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Matt, for that challenge, and thank you for those parents who are brave enough to sit up here and, and uh, share their hearts, because I can relate to those uh, third kid challenges and all of that. <laughs> All that good kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, the reality is, you know what, even if we're parents, we still need parents. We still need people who have, been who have gone a little bit before us to kind of come alongside and encourage us. You know, we, we, have, we have kids who, who, who need grandparents and parents that, that, that maybe aren't around that, that need to speak into their life and speak Christ in their life and, and speak the gospel to them. And so uh, thanks for that challenge. Hey, we're so excited that you were here with us this morning. Matt and Asher are going to be down front here after the words to, afterwards to greet you. And, uh, but thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next week.